Well, in case y'all don't know, my name is Cami Stone. Because I got married. This morning, we're going to talk about stinking thinking. I'm sort of like Pastor Easy. Pastor Easy, it doesn't matter the scripture. It doesn't matter the topic. It's always going to be about faith. You know, one time he preached about whether you're a prairie chicken or an eagle, but it was about faith. One time he preached about, are you the kind of friend that would dig a hole in a roof in the middle of a meeting to lower your sick friend down, but it was about faith. Like, no matter what he preaches about, it's about faith. Well, with me, no matter what the topic is, it's about stinking thinking. Because what you think determines who you are. It determines how you live your life. It's, the Bible says that as a man thinketh, so is he. So what you think, and I'm not talking about just a passing thought, hmm, maybe we'll have hamburgers and cheeseburgers for, for lunch. I'm not talking about that kind of thinking. I'm talking about the core of who we are, of what the beliefs that we hold dear. See, opinions change. You get more information, you think somebody's nice, then you get some information about them, and your opinion changes about them, right? Like you think on Yelp all the, all the reviews are nice of some restaurant, and you go, and then your opinion changes. Opinions change. I'm talking about thinking, deep thinking, what you think about God, what you think about your life, what you think about others, how you think determines how you live. Whether you live with a, a joy and an expectation of something good or whether you live with a dread and an expectation of something bad. And then that could even affect how people think about you, whether they dread being with you or whether they look forward to being with you. So thinking is important. So do you expect, what do you, whenever you think about your life, what do you expect? Are you expecting the other shoe to drop are you expecting failure? Are you expecting that, that, that God is angry and he's mad and he's one of these gotcha gods and he's waiting for you to, to mess up and then he's going to zap you with a flat tire and he's going to zap you with the air conditioning breaking down and he's going to get you and teach you a lesson? See, we've been having a lot of sermons about intimacy with the Lord. Some of, some of the sermons that John has preached lately have been just powerful. And I don't mean just, oh, that was so revelatory or oh that was a good sermon and I, it was encouraging I mean like the type of sermons where the presence of the Lord comes in and God is on it and people are changed on the inside but you can hear all the sermons in the world about intimacy and you can feel the presence of God on it but if somewhere deep down in you you think God is mad or he's angry or he's out to get you or you don't deserve it or you're so bad you're so this you're so that that you don't deserve it, it's all going to just whoosh right over your head. And it comes down to stinking thinking. That's what it comes down to. See, do you wake up with dread in your heart or do you wake up with joy? Now, joy is the hopeful expectation of something good. The hopeful expectation of something good. I've heard it explained as it's, it's a kid waking up on Christmas morning. <laughs> they have a hopeful expectation that there is good stuff under that tree wrapped in those boxes for them. That's how the Lord wants us to wake up. Jesus said that he came that our joy may be full. And so it is God's desire that we wake up in the morning and we do not dread our day that we do not dread our life, that we do not dread our job, our friends, our family, our spouse. There's no dreading right now. We're still in honeymoon. 
<laughs> no dreading at all. I mean, hey guys, five dogs, two kids, two adults, 30-foot camper trailer for 14 days, not a single fight. That's honeymoon. That is honeymoon. <laughs> They've been repainting the inside of our house. And so, guys, single guys, save your money. Women are expensive. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, I mean, that's, that's the definition of honeymoon. When you're going to have five dogs in the trailer and two kids, one bathroom, and no fights. That's honeymoon. But, but the Lord would have it that we could wake up in the morning with the joyful expectation that he has something good for us that day. He does not want us to live our lives in dread. And so if that's where you are, today is for you. Today only for $9.99, you too can have, I'm just teasing. So today, I decided years ago, now this is me, this isn't in the Bible, but this is me, and it's a famous quote, and I don't even remember who quoted it, and so nobody yelled out any names. It's just one of those quotes that I've, I've kind of taken into my own life. I will not complain about what I allow into my life. If I'm allowing something into my life, I'm not going to complain about it. I like just decided I'm not going to complain about it. If I don't like my weight, I'm the one that put the food down my pie hole. It's my, it's my issue. It's my fault. I'm not going to complain about my weight. I commented, but I did not complain about being single. <laughs> okay, maybe a few little complaints here and there. Or maybe just a few tears and a little, why, God, why? But I decided that. And then I also decided a few years ago that if I didn't like something in my life, I would change it. And if I couldn't change it, then I was going to learn to love it because I refused to complain. Let me tell you what complaining does. And I'm talking about complaining, not just a, a little comment like, ooh, I don't like that, or ooh, I wish they hadn't done that. But I'm talking about when it becomes an incessant complaint that's a dread in our life where we complain about our jobs, we complain about our, our roommates, we complain about our lives in some sort of way. I'm talking about complaints. What a complaint says, it points a finger into God. It says, what you've given me isn't enough. I don't like it. That's complaining. And when the Israelites did that, God sent snakes into them. God does not like complaining because it's saying what you've given me isn't enough. And so this morning, we're going to look at routines, habits, and patterns. Routines, habits, and patterns. Because these are things that are, that are a routine is just that. It's a practiced steps, a series of steps that are so practiced that they become almost automatic and you don't even think about them anymore. Now, I know that when I say routines, some of you might think about your morning routine or your 19-step nighttime skin regimen. You know, I've used so many acids over the years that I have no fingerprints left. <laughs> I could commit a crime, and other than DNA material, they wouldn't be able to catch me because I have no fingerprints. So many acids on the, on the skin. Hey, I had to keep the bait looking good, okay? It wasn't out of discipline. It was out of desperation, Okay? had to kind of keep it all together. I'm not letting it go, honey. Don't you worry. I keep telling him if he gets certified in Botox, we'll save a lot of money. Just saying. But routines. 
I'm not talking about just your morning routine of you get up and you have coffee and you take your shower and whatever. I mean, if you think about it, the routine is something you spend daily doing. It would make sense to make your routine the most efficient, the most beneficial to you because it's, it's not, you know, the last six months I spent a lot of time planning for one big day, but I will spend the rest of my life following kind of some routines. And so it makes sense in your morning routine to make that the most beneficial for you. But I'm talking about routines in our lives. Routine things that just fly out of our mouth and we don't even think about it. Routine expectations that we have. You know, that whole like Darwin's law, Darwin's rule, you know, where we think about the, the worst thing that could happen will happen. And, and whenever we, we come out and we see a flat tire, we always think Murphy's law. Like it's just a thing that comes out of us. You know, some of us that are more gregarious, we get a new audience, we meet new people, we, we do a routine for them, you know. We put on the, we say the same little funny stories that everybody else has heard and they're sick of, but now we got somebody new that we can entertain and make them laugh, and whoo, it's fun. You know, but I mean, your family even knows your routines, right? Like, they know that if you get disappointed, you're going to just do these little steps, right? And you're going to do this little song and dance. They already know what you're going to do. What if we changed our routine? Instead of when we see the flat tire, complaining about it, expecting it, thinking, well, you know, I messed up yesterday. I probably deserve that. Well, God's trying to teach me a lesson here. Well, you know, I didn't pray enough today, so I guess I deserve that. How about we start a routine of, well, God, I don't know why that happened, but I thank you that you've provided me with a job where I can buy a new tire. Lord, I thank you that maybe you're keeping me from a wreck, and maybe what the devil can, you know, meant for something bad with a, t- a nail getting into my tire, God, you're going to turn it around for my good because you're a good God, and what you have for me is plans for good and not of evil. See, what if we changed our routine? We changed the steps. We changed the things that we're thinking, that we're expecting, that we're hoping for, for something that God has said he wants for us, Versus what life has tried to put on us. You know, we're, we're, we're a mix of things. Some of our personality is DNA. You can see it in families. Like, you know, the uncle that acts just like the nephew that acts just like the grandkid. You can see certain personalities. But a lot of who we are and what we are is life experience. It's things people said. It's things people did. It's things we said things that we did, things that we got into agreement with, curses that we spoke. It's, it's a lot of stuff that we think about that we then expect that it's a whole conglomeration. But what if we started to pay attention to what's coming out of our mouths, to what we're expecting, to how we react to the unexpected? And what if we purposely, I'm going to use a word that's been sort of tired out, intentionally, changed our routine and when you learn a new routine for all the girls that have been in tap dance you know when you were little you know you learn one step at a time shuffle ball change like you learn it you know and you go into class and you see all the moms lined up and all the little three-year-olds and then me the 10-year-old are out there (laughs) like I was never a good dancer don't have the rhythm for it not in my DNA But sometimes you have to break down a routine to steps that you can then take. And so maybe you start with a scripture. Lord, I thank you that your plans for me are good and they're not evil. 
And so whatever you have planned for me, it's good. And so, Lord, I'm going to memorize this scripture. I'm going to chew on this scripture. I'm going to meditate on this scripture on the way to work. Lord, I thank you that when I get to work today, no matter what comes at me, you have something good planned for me. It may not be the job that I want. This may not be my career. But, God, I thank you that you are providing for me. I can pay my bills. I can pay my rent. I have gas. I can get food. Lord, I thank you that you are providing for me in ways that I don't even see. What if we begin to just step by step change our routine so that the routines that are coming out of our life match the routines that God says he has for us? Routines, stinking thinking. What about habits? What about habits? Habits are these little behaviors that we can get into that eventually can then build into a routine. A routine can be made up of a plethora of habits, but little habits where we just sort of like the gossip that we get at work. You know, we just can't wait to to get there and, and hear who did what and where and how much and what they said and what they wore and oh my gosh, can you believe she wore that? And you know, it's it's the little habits that we can get into with with people around us where it's a little sarcasm or it's a little cynicism or it's a little biting word or it's a little criticism that we might have or, or a little judgment we might have. There's these little habits that we can get into. And the Bible says that it's not the words, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out of a man that defiles him. When we allow those little habits to take root into our lives, it's it's like when we begin to speak these things, it's a slime that comes on us. Now, it's not helpful to the person that we're speaking it to. That's not helpful either. I don't want to say that what we say doesn't matter to other people. It's only about us, you know, me, myself, and I. I don't want to, I don't want to give that kind of impression. But the Bible says that it's what comes out of us that defiles us. Well, it's also what comes out of us is a really good mirror to what's in our heart. Because the Bible says out of the heart... The man speaks. The mouth speaks. And so if you are hearing yourself get a little cutting with, with somebody you love, if you're hearing yourself speaking a little sarcasm, if you're hearing yourself passing on a little tidbit of, of, of gossip, if you're hearing yourself, then you know, uh-oh, that's something in my heart. And that's not something that the Lord would want there. And so then you go to the Lord. Because habits can be hard to break if we just decide we want to break them. Now, you can do it with discipline and determination and setting up a little 21-day plan. And, you know, you can break a habit. But what I have found is that when you see the damage that that habit is having on you or those around you, when you see the hurt, when you see the pain, when you see the ugliness, it is so easy to drop that thing like a hot potato. I mean, it is just easy. And so if there's habits in your life, you can go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me, what is this, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Holy Spirit, what's going on in my heart? The Bible says that our hearts are wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it except for the Lord? And so we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, why am I doing this? 
Why is this coming out of me? What is happening here? Now, again, I don't want to get anybody me-focused. You know, we want to call it counseling where it's about me and what I think and how I think about myself and, and what do you think that I think about me. And then we're going to get together and we're going to talk about it and we're going to call it therapy. And then if all of us get together and we all talk about me and whatever, then we're going to call it group therapy. Like, I'm not trying to get anybody to, to start navel-gazing and looking upon yourself. Like, that's not the point. But it's sort of like the, the phrase that Kirk has coined around here. You know, the kingdom is not about you, but it's not without you. You're thinking, it's sort of not about you, but it's not without you. You know, it's about Jesus. See, the Bible says that whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is worthy, think on these things. So we're supposed to be thinking, and we're supposed to notice what we're thinking but we're not supposed to think about ourselves all the time. We're supposed to think about Jesus. We're supposed to think about his love, his joy, his peace, his kindness, his patience, his long-suffering, his provision, his healing, his deliverance, his joy. His... We're supposed to think about him. And in thinking in him, we, we look into a mirror and we can then begin to see him in us. And then we begin to draw more and more closer to that. And so then everything just begins to change. And then there's patterns. You know, a pattern, you, you I don't think there's any seamstresses in here, so I won't embarrass myself too badly. Um, if you are one, just, you know, nod and act like I'm saying the right thing. But, you know, you make a pattern. You, they, they have special paper. They draw it out. They, they cut it out. They put it on a form. They make sure everything's right. And then they use that to replicate over and over and over and over and over again. There's things in our lives that we pattern our lives after. You know, for a while, a lot of moms were patterning their lives after Pinterest. And I mean, oh my gosh, the stress these women would put themselves under to have the perfect cupcakes with the icing and the glitter and the little thing on top. And then you had to have the gift bag with all the goodies in it for the kids. And then you had to have the banner and you had to have the balloon arch. And, and then you had to have the limo and then you had to have this. And, and I mean, they killed themselves trying to live this Pinterest life because they were trying to model themselves after these bloggers who spend their lives and who make their living at presenting this perfect party. And so then, the way our society is, there was this whole backlash against the Pinterest moms because nobody could possibly do it and have a real job and do the laundry and clean the floors. Like, there was this whole thing. And so we pattern our lives. You know, we pattern our lives after Hollywood. Not a smart idea. Most beautiful bodies, worst marriages ever in Hollywood. You know, there was a, a TV show a while back on MTV... It was called Sweet 16, and it was all about these 16-year-olds that were turning 16, and these huge, I'm talking about $250,000 parties that their parents would throw them as they turned 16. I mean, one girl, her parents threw her, flew her and her friends on a private plane to Paris so she could pick out her second party dress. I mean, like Sierra, they would pay for Sierra and other Famous singers to come sing at their things. But there was a pattern amongst all these girls. All the girls are going to be so jealous. And all the guys are going to want to be with me. My party is going to be the best. 
And I mean, some of these, some of these parties were in, like, you think this is going to be in L.A. or Chicago. Or New- some of them were in Baton Rouge. People spending 250 grand in Baton Rouge on a 16-year-old's birthday. But there was a pattern among them. All of them wanted to make their friends jealous and all the boys be with them and all the girls hate them. And that was like their goal. Like their party was going to be successful if everybody was jealous of them. There was a pattern that they were trying to pattern their lives after. We as Christians... Just the name, Christian, Christ-like, a Christ disciple. We are to pattern our lives after him and reproduce it. And so if we receive love like we did this morning, we are supposed to give love. If we receive life like we did today, we are supposed to give life. If we receive joy, we're supposed to give joy. We have all received salvation. We're supposed to extend mercy. We've received mercy. What We are to pattern our lives after Jesus. That means we have to pattern our thinking after Jesus. See, it's not enough just to go to church. You know, in, in Matthew, Jesus said, and there will be in those last days people that will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, I cast out demons in your name. That's that is something, people, to cast out a demon. You know, and Lord, Lord, we healed people in your name. And I will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. See, Jesus wants to know us. And he's a gentleman. And so we have to give him permission. We have to let him. We have to invite him in. We talk about inviting Jesus into your heart. That is something that we have to do daily. By the minute, okay? But that's something that we do by the minute because it's minute by minute that we create these patterns. And then the patterns sort of become a habit. And the habit becomes a routine. And it becomes so automatic that we don't even think about it. And so when someone does something, they say something ugly, they do something mean, they betray us, we may not like it and it may hurt But there's an automatic step that comes out of us that says, Lord, I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know why they did this. But, Lord, I thank you that I look to you as my source, not to them. You know, there's there's just an automatic, Lord, I I just ask you to bless them, help them, mercy for them, Lord. God, do something in their life. And, Lord, I thank you that you are my source for everything that I need. See, it's, it's not saying that what people do to us is okay. It's not denying the hurt or the pain that betrayal, bitter words, things like that can say to us. It's not denying any of that, but it's looking to a different source for the restoration. And so there's a, there's a routine that can be set up to where we can then always look to Jesus because he is everything we need. He's not, he doesn't, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. He doesn't just do healing, he is healing. He doesn't just do love, he is love. He is everything we need. And so stand with me today. This morning, I just want you, I want to give you a minute to invite the Holy Spirit into your thinking, into the very core of who you are, into the very core of your beliefs into those structures into those those pillars of your character about what you believe about yourself about life 
about your life, about Jesus, and just ask him, Holy Spirit, is there anything here that's not patterned after you? Is there anything here that's not, that's, that's, that's a habit that's not what the habit you would have me have? God, is there any routine here where I'm out of step of what you would have for me? And so just take a second and invite the Holy Spirit into that space, into that place in your heart. Jesus, I thank you that you are faithful. It's written on your very body. You are faithful. And so I thank you that when we invite you in, when we ask for your help to change us, to rearrange us, to renew us, that you are good and you are kind and you do it. Lord, the Bible says that when we ask for wisdom, you don't give us a stone and you don't jeer at us that we don't know the answers, but that you generously pour out your wisdom upon us for everything that we need. And so, Lord, we need your wisdom. We ask you today for your wisdom to know how to think even. It sounds so basic, but Jesus, we get messed up and we get sidetracked and we get wounded and the devil gets involved, and we can get just way off from where you would have us. And so, Jesus, I ask you today, renew our thinking. Show us, Holy Spirit, where we don't think like you think. You said that your ways are higher than our ways, and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so, of course, we're not going to think like you think without you. We need you, Jesus. We need you, and so we invite you into our lives. We invite you into our thought life. We invite you into the very core of who we are and what we think about you, about our lives, about our futures, about our families, about our destinies. Lord, I thank you that what you have for us is more than we could have ever imagined or hoped or even entered into our minds, but that you are a good God and you have good things for your people. And so I praise you and I thank you this morning, Lord that we walk out of here different. We're not the same. We walk out changed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.